the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, in verse 25, Luke 4, 25, Bible says, certainly, or but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. I'm going to read this again. There were many needy widows. The need was there. Many people were in need. Many people are in need today. But the Lord saw fit to send the man of God to one particular person. And there was a reason. It was not by random chance. It was not God just thinking, I'd like to send this to someone today. And she's the first one that comes to mind. It wasn't like that. This woman had faith. And she expressed it at different levels, on different levels. This is what God is showing us, that we need to have faith and express it, and there's a particular way in which God wants us to show that we have faith, so He can bless us. Again, Luke 4.25, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Certainly there were many needy widows. A widow was already at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak, in that society, especially. First of all, the shock of not having the support to survive. Secondly, the stigma that came from society against those people. The lack of resources couldn't be contrasted more when we think about today with all the things available for people, especially in this country. A person who has nothing can live like a king or queen with all the resources available by people who have a good heart and kind heart. But it was not like that back then. It was a dire situation. But the Lord says here that she was not the only one. There were many of them. Many needy people, they desperately needed help. Why didn't God send Elijah to all of them? He could have, but he didn't. It's not that God is partial. It's not that he doesn't love. He's the same God that gives the sunshine or the sun and the rain to benefit everybody. The good and the evil, the just and the unjust. But the reason God sent Elijah to that woman was because she had a certain quality about her. A number of qualities, but especially this faith. Jesus said, certainly, for sure, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed during this time of judgment for three and a half years. To not have a source of supply, a job, food, 
in the refrigerator, access to finances for three days, three weeks, three months, not knowing, we would just lose our mind, minds, many of us, right? So all of a sudden, hear the news that there's going to be a very, very difficult time to get the basic food to survive for you and your family. People will start rioting. And this is for three weeks, perhaps. For some, it's three days. Imagine three months. The government says, no food available. Do the best you can. Stores are closed. Even if people wanted to work, there's no rain. People who are not even farmers start to cultivate their fields to try to get something for the family to survive. No rain. God himself has closed the heavens. At a certain point, because his people refused to look to him, and they began to look to the devil. They were in the wrong territory, and he had to do this to get their attention. But three and a half years, and that to a widow who was very needy. God's eyes scans through the whole globe, through the nation, through our neighborhoods, to see who has faith in him. And faith will receive answers from God, just like we heard from the Gospels. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Seek and you will find. Ask and it shall be given to you. That's the promise of God. But the asking means that I have faith that when I ask, I'm going to receive. If that ingredient is not there, I can go through the mechanics and even cry about it and say, well, I've asked for 23 days. Nothing's happening. But did you have the essential ingredient, faith, that God has promised? And I'm going to have some challenges. When the promise of the prophecy comes, the challenge will come with it. And it's a real challenge because many times it will come right on the heels of God's pronouncement of blessing. That's where we need to say, I'm learning to grow to shut down every opposition to what God has told me, and I'm going to gather myself together, unite my heart to keep on praising Him, believing Him, and walking with Him. This woman was in a remote place up there in the north. She was not even technically part of Israel. It was a different territory. Look at God. He cares about foreigners. We talk about foreigners. It's not just the demographics. We're talking about people who don't seem to have that close access to God, such as being able to go to church. Maybe because there's no church. Maybe there's a governmental edict where they can't go. How come God sends blessings to them when the majority who are supposed to know better and do better, they miss it? It's a very pivotal moment in the gospel. God is showing that a lot of people are eligible in the sense of their need and God is ready to meet it, but not everybody is eligible to receive the blessing because they simply don't trust. And that trust requires doing certain things in obedience. The man of God in 1 Kings 17, went to the woman who was commanded by God already. Maybe God spoke to her 
through an audible voice, that widow who was in a corner in more ways than one, who has forgotten, God didn't forget her. He spoke to her, maybe through a vision, maybe through a dream, we don't know. But he had already talked to that woman and told her, I'm sending my prophet to you. He's on the way. When he comes, listen to him. Give him what he needs. I want you to supply his need. The prophet is being spoken to by God. The widow all the way up there is being spoken to by God. There's a meeting. That meeting is supposed to produce heavenly blessings upon both the prophet and the widow. If either of the two lack faith, it's not going to work out. But at least one of them. It's so important that we come to God and we believe that every word in the book is mine. It's a promise from God. Every prophecy that is spoken, I will remember, recount it, and keep it in front of me. Maybe put it on a sticky note on your fridge and your mirror just to keep the word right in front of you. And then, some people are good at doing that. Some people are good at gathering and organizing and then following through with the steps that are kind of fun to do sometimes. But not everybody obeys. When God says, do this also, that's when they say, I can't do that. Sorry, God. And they don't get the blessing. Luke 4, 25 and 26. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Jesus is showing the very people, his own lost sheep of the house of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, he's showing them. You don't have faith, I'm right here. You have a lot of jubilation and celebration, and they kept the feasts and all of those things was going, were going on. But they missed Jesus. The majority missed him because of unbelief. Unbelief. And the unbelief manifested through what? Turning their backs on the Lord. They didn't receive. They didn't believe. They didn't obey. When he said, you have to follow me, they said, no. We like the blessing, but we don't want to follow you. And they didn't get it. First Kings chapter 17. Let's go to the source of where the Lord took this from. First Kings chapter 17. And let's start with verse 1 to get the context. Now Elijah who was from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Judgment was there. Today there's a judgment on many nations and families because they refused God he has withheld certain things from them. And they're not able to hear. They're not able to receive. And so they go on on a sort of roller coaster ride. And it's an up and down, up and down. But there's no connecting with God where there's a smooth ride to heaven. 
There are a lot of problems, but it's not coming from God. Because they refuse to obey God, problems are there. And God in His mercy does something to shut the heavens as it were. It becomes like brass where they can't break through. Out of all of that, Jesus still has mercy to show them this is the state of affairs. Just like many widows were there back then, so you people are like that. That's what he told the Jewish people. They didn't want to hear it, but that's the truth. He said, I'm right here, but you're missing everything. Similarly, today, when God is moving, when God sends the prophet or prophetess, when he sends the word, when he sends a good word, when he sends words to chasten and to turn people's hearts back to God, they don't believe. They think, ah, oh, I can get it in a Bible study, I can get it on YouTube, and I can get it when I flip through my study Bible. And you know what? I, I have eyes, and I, I can hear, and I can think, and can't take that away from me. I'm, a, I'm an individual with brains, and I can pick up on whatever God wants. They don't believe. They may flatter and say, oh, there's the servant of God or the man of God or the prophetess. But actually, their lack of faith manifests in the things they refuse to do, even the little things that the man of God, the woman of God says, from God. There's a line where they draw, I'll do up to this, but that, no. When the man of God or the woman of God says, come to the house of God on this day, many times people don't do it. You know why? It's not really that the excuses are so valid and it's impossible. It's that there's a stronghold of unbelief that this is coming from God. That's where the difference will come. The moment we understand God is speaking to me and I won't mock God, that's when the blessing will come. Some have actually entered into that blessing. They've come to recognize this is God's voice. There's a lady some years ago, who came to this church. And she was in and out, and uh, she was not following God. But she was taken aback by the miracles. And so she came, and she wanted to see what she could get. And she would talk up a storm about God, and the things of God, and the service, and all those things, but she would do things contrary to God's will. God was speaking through me, through Pastor Kiruba, through even the lady's parents, that you should come and listen to God's word and all of your problems and your daughter's problems, they'll be solved. She said, I know, thank you, in and out. One day, she heard a voice and the voice was my voice talking to her to obey God. She said it was my voice, my voice. And she said it was Pastor Pradeep's voice, and I'm there all the way over there. And she was saying, what could it be? And Pastor had to tell her, that's God speaking to you. Especially in the voice of servant of God. So that you know what to do. As much as it came so directly, where it's unmistakable, and then the interpretation, which was really not necessary if she was honest, but even that came from the woman of God. 
It was not enough. She continued to be on the phone with people that she had no business being on the phone with. Late into the night, parents were concerned. She was an old, she was like a grown-up, full grown-up. And they kept telling her, this is not good association. She continued to dabble and move with friends who were ungodly. People who liked horoscopes and witchcraft, Wicca and immorality and all the funny comedians out there in the world. And it was a wonderful life for her because she had a job and she was living with her parents and she couldn't do the simple thing of turning her back on that, getting close to God. And today she is in mass confusion and her daughter is even worse. So God comes. That's the point. This message will go on for eternity in its value because it's coming from God. There's a certain window. There's a window during the crisis where God sent a man from him with a specific commandment to bless whoever will listen. That's God. Equal opportunity. Whoever will listen. But among the crowd, God said he only found one person. And that too among the people who are desperate. One widow was able to listen to God's voice. That means that God was able to talk to her even before the man of God came there. You see? All of these details are not spelled out fully. But after all, God talked to her and not the hundreds, perhaps thousands of others who are desperately in need. Why? She was a smart woman, that's why. Even if she was not a prophetess, she was not a ruling judge. Even if she didn't know the Torah, like so many other people, she had the sense that when God spoke, I drop everything and listen. That's all it took. She didn't have to go through schooling and complicated ministry ventures and try to grab things and say, well, I've accumulated a portfolio. All she had to do was, when God spoke, I'm dropping everything, I'm getting ready. She obeyed. So when the time came, she was already prepared to do what who said? The man of God. Already it was established that the man that's coming is a human being, but God is coming with him. The same God that spoke to me privately, God told me he's coming with that individual. So when that individual speaks into my life, not only am I all ears, I'm all hands, I'm going to do it. That's the critical juncture where people miss out. They come sometimes not at all, or they take a few steps. Then all of a sudden they get a persuasion. They think it's them, but it's really from the devil. Because the devil causes them to miss out on God's best and the blessing. And so what happens is, inevitably, they go back to the wilderness again. But why bother? Why go to the wilderness over and over again? When God says, you can come right into the blessing. Step into the blessing. Elijah, who is from Tishba and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God who I serve, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Verse 2, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from that brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. 
God's in full control. And the prophet is fully yielded to God. Doesn't matter if it's the ravens or a widow, if he has to be by a brook and drink from there. Whatever God wants, he was surrendered. That's the lesson that we need to learn. The problem is never with God. Once we establish that firmly, it may seem like the alphabet, but that's where we have to start. Am I a person who will fully do everything God has commanded me to do? Will I follow through without excuse? If not, we cease to be eligible for His blessing. We may get scraps here and there because God is merciful. We'll never get a grasp on God's will for our lives. What a tragedy to go through years of existence, never know what God's will and plan is for my life. And then end up, hopefully, if the person gets to heaven, to look at God and say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, grieved and weeping before God. I missed it. I missed the whole thing, Lord. I thought I was wise because I was trying to play you. God may have to speak some words. Maybe in the end they repented, but they look at a whole duration in their life where they really never are fully surrendered. That's the tragedy of tragedies. It's very commonplace today. God is talking to us, saying, don't be among that crowd. Do not follow the crowd. What crowd? The Christian crowd. Don't follow the Christian crowd. Because the majority is not walking with God. That's the truth. If the widow wanted help for herself and her family, she had to listen closely to the voice of God talking to her and do exactly what God told her to do, not say, oh, did you hear what God said to me? And spread it all around. No, she just took it and she followed through. And out of all the people, she's the one that's recorded in the Gospels. Even in the Gospels. Her name is there in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Who? Who is this? Is it a famous princess? Is it a judge? Was it one of the women that went forth into battle? It was a widow. A forgotten woman. A widow. A needy widow. She had nothing going for her. She was actually at the end of a rope. Why did God take her and put her in the Old Covenant forever? And then the Lord Himself who wrote the Old Testament, He brings it again in the New Testament. What kind of honor is that? We know about Mary. Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, what she's done is going to be remembered also. High honor. Oh, high honor. If God looks at my life and your life, will he be able to say one day to the angels and all people, this daughter of mine, there came a point in her life when she really trusted me. She thought she was trusting me, but by her obedience, a lot of detours here and there, lots of excuses, and lots of hanging out with people who told her you're doing good when she was not right by me. But there came a time when she said, enough is enough. I'm face to face with God. Nothing matters. And I'm decided that I will obey everything God has told me to do. Maybe God will pronounce your name in front of millions and billions 
dangers on people that day. That even though there was a track record that the person was iffy, in and out, up and down, didn't really believe, didn't really do what I told her to do. There came a point in which she did, and that's what's going to be remembered. What an honor. Do you want your shame taken away? Isn't it a shameful thing? It's shameful to me to know that God has told certain things for me to do. It bothers me if I, if I think about it and I go to pray and God brings it up and I haven't done it. It's not good. It's not good. We have to come to that point. This is not good. God told me stop doing certain things and I haven't done it. It's not good. I can't go and camouflage and try to cover it up with other things and say I did good over here. It doesn't work that way. The people of God have got to have a sense of shame that I'm not walking 100% with God. If that's the case. When the Lord spoke this to Israel, it was not meant to boost them up, to say, oh, we had a lady in our coast. You know, she's on our team. No, it was meant to make them really feel ashamed so they can repent. Who's going to repent if they're not ashamed? That's why the preaching from the Word of God, if it's given as it is, there will be a deep sense of regret and shame that will cause a person to say, enough is enough, I've got to get real with God. And through the canvas of multitudes of people listening to sermon after sermon, Sunday after Sunday, with all the plethora of videos and all these things that, that, that are available, the, the very power of God's Word, by virtue of it being scattered everywhere and mouthed off by everybody and anybody who's not walking with God, there's no power. So it's sort of like getting a vaccine, but you're not protected. The concept is that I've been vaccinated, and this is what's supposed to happen, but when the virus comes, it gets you. That's the danger of having God's Word and hearing it and then thinking that we know it when there's no obedience. But when the message comes that obedience has to follow Listening. You listen and obey, and God helps us to see in our own lives. Forget about the preacher. Forget about the sermon title. Know one thing. One day you and I are going to stand before God, and it's up to you and to me to decide whether we're going to be ashamed or rejoicing. We cannot work up rejoicing now and think that some of that's going to go up there. In the book of James it's written, first mourn. Don't laugh. Mourn if you're not right with God. And then God will give you the joy when you repent. So Elijah, in the midst of this famine, God has his eyes on two people. God in heaven has his eyes on the prophet to see whether he's going to do what he says. Even though he knew Elijah's heart, still, you've got to make them those markers. You've got to make those milestones. You've got to obey. It's not enough for Elijah to say, Lord, I, obey, I obeyed you when I, when I pronounced this and I went and did this. But to go to Sidon? Lord, to go to a brook? How do I know? And he didn't let any question come into his mind. Every time Elijah obeyed, it was a win for his soul. He was building up treasure in heaven. No wonder this man was caught up in that heavenly chariot and whirlwind. Can you
you imagine seeing a man all of a sudden, just walking, all of a sudden, there's a chariot coming. It's so awe-inspiring. And the thing is on fire, and he's on it. And he's just swept up into heaven. Everybody's watching those prophets, sons of the prophets. Why does God do these things? God is never random. Elijah is there, as well as the widow, to show us we have a choice. Do you want to be like that? Or do you want to be like the multitudes that thought they can play religion? And the false prophets, who would go like in Jeremiah's day, take a yoke, put it around Jeremiah, grab the horns of the altar, and do They did a lot of gimmicks. God never told them to do that. But they consoled themselves that we're also prophets, we're also servants of God, we're also people of God. Meanwhile, God saw these are goats, not sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Not only am I not ashamed to preach this, regardless of who likes it or not, I know this is the medicine that we need. That we need to know whether we're sheep, sheep follow. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That means when God walks in holiness and righteousness, they get rid of all the garbage and they say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's not compatible for me to have the world and Jesus. So we have to make our choice. Will you say, Lord, I really, truly have come to the end of my rope. I want to follow you, Lord, and I want to do what you say. Elijah did as the Lord told him. Noah did what God told him to do. Moses built the tabernacle exactly according to the blueprint that God showed him. We read Exodus, and we see the tremendous detail. Moses, just like David, did not give sleep to his eyes. Not because he had to go to work and get the money. He did not give sleep to his eyes because he had to take his kids to school. They can't afford to miss school. So many people are motivated, highly motivated, by things that ultimately won't matter for eternity. Ultimately. But when it comes to doing God's will, when God speaks, it's optional many times. God is talking to us today. The Lord said to Elijah, I want you to stay here for a season. Sometimes we have to be in the background. Sometimes God will tell us to hide. At that point, we need to be aware and beware of the urge to be seen and heard. Because not only can God not speak through us if we want to be seen and heard, but we will foul up the whole plan of God. We need to be content, like Paul, that, Lord, you're training me, you're, you're talking to me. I'm not there yet to be able to be used by you. I think I am, but I'm not ready. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to hear. But it's the best thing we can hear when we're not ready. Because God wants us to be fully prepared, fully trustworthy, and not up and down, but steady. You know, there's a phrase in the Bible, steadfast love. Steadfast love. You know what kind of love that is? Faithful love. It's the covenant love that I will not turn my back on God even if somebody wants to kill me. I will not turn my back on God. 
I'm not turning away from God. And how is it proven? It's not when somebody comes to the neighborhood with a, a weapon or something and says, all Christians, raise your hand because we're going to wipe you out today. You say, Lord, if that's the case, well, they're going to have to take me. Either way, I'm going to die, so I might as well go out praising you. It's easy to say that. When the moment of truth comes, all hell will come out against you to make you say, no way, I'm not losing my life. Right away we start thinking about family, our own existence, the fact that we're not ready to meet God. The devil will give a lot of reasons. You know what will happen? We'll join the other party and say, those Christians are crazy. I'm not, like Peter, I don't know the man. No, 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 I don't belong to that church. I don't belong to those people, no. And you know how that's evidenced? Day by day. When God says, be quiet, we talk. When God says, talk, we're quiet. When God says, not now, we say now. God says, later, we say, not later, now. Many, many ways we can self-diagnose. That's the only way we're going to make progress. We're going to become trustworthy. And God did a miracle for this woman. He did a miracle. It was not just a matter of, well, I have her name written somewhere. He came and radically changed her life and her family. Isn't that what we seek in 2023? The prophecies have come that there will be an overflow. This incident, historical incident, was and is a picture of a radical overflow in the life of the least esteemed person perhaps in Israel. God loves us so much. He wants the overflow to happen. So we've heard. Have we obeyed? What did God say to do? Every time the word came for New Year's with the prophecy, there were conditions attached. Do you know what they are? We need to hear them again. And say, God, you sent a servant of God who was the mouthpiece of God. It was not a woman who was trying to think up something new for the year. It was not something that, you know what, this will really tickle the ears. They go for it, like in many, many places. This is something positive, you know, you want to go out or come into the New Year with positive stuff. No. If God said to pronounce a judgment, that's what's going to come, even for the New Year. But God had a good word of prosperity. In fact, an overflow more than we can contain. And he proved it right here in this word here. He said, go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Don't play with God. Don't play God. The man of God feared the Lord. That widow was not a prophetess, but she feared the Lord. And that's why both of them were blessed. Fear the Lord. Just do what he says. Don't listen to any other voice, whether it's from your flesh, your mind, your family, your friends, whoever it is. Don't listen to that voice. When God said do something, has he spoken? Did he speak through the word? Did he speak through the servant of God? Just do what was told. You're going to see. You're going to see an avalanche of blessings come down. But you know what? This is where people miss it. They start to rationalize. Elijah did no such thing. Lord, you tell me to go to the brook. That's where I'm going. You said to drink from that. That's where I'm drinking from. The ravens are coming. I'm waiting. I know they're going to come. See the confidence? 
And see this rugged man on the outside also had a rugged disposition on the inside. He was a man who would not yield to sin. Are you a fighter like that? Some people fight and they have grit. When it comes to facing the elements, they have to work outside. It takes some, sometimes willpower when it's cold and, and, it's, and it's not pleasant. When the going gets tough, when people are against you and they're saying it's not going to happen. It takes a certain amount of heart and willpower to say, nope, I'm going to do the right thing. But what about when sin comes knocking at your door? When that sinister thought comes to be jealous, are you able to shoot it down with the Word of God? When the thought comes that this is not likable, I don't like that person, God says that's wrong. Do we say it's negligible? I can go to the next thing. Oh, let me see the people I like. Let me go shake their hands and love them. God is talking to you. Don't have a double standard because God knows all about it. Be faithful to God. You and I have a covenant with God to follow the God of love and the God of truth. If in either of those areas we're not following God, we've broken the covenant. We have betrayed God. If we can't love, 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, it talks about if we love one another, if we ha have been born of God, then we really know God. If we love God, the one that loves is really born of God. The one that loves is the one who really knows God. And the truth. Am I standing for the truth? If the word is coming today, very clearly, God expects me, not 99.9999% is not good enough for God. How can it be? He's God Almighty. He's perfect and he, and he gives us all the grace we need to do everything. Noah did everything that was commanded of him. Can't we? Moses did everything according to the pattern. Can't we? The amount of concentration we give to other things in life, all we need to do is channel it to the things of God. That's where you're going to see a big change. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. Verse 4, 1 Kings 17. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did. See, when the famine happened, Elijah wasn't worried. He was not worried. Because he knew God is for me. He's taking care of me. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. Verse, six, verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the funds ran out. The brook dried for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. It could have been a seamless transition, you know. Before the brook actually ran out, maybe when it was a third full, God says, I want you to go immediately to the widow. God didn't do that. Maybe the Lord could have sent the widow to him. Anything's possible. Why did God allow that to happen? Just like in the wilderness, he told Moses and the people, 
I'm testing you. I want you to feel a bit of hunger. Is it because God doesn't love us? It's like a good parent. The child that is given everything right away, right away, eventually begins to abuse it and abuse the parents. But the wise parent knows how to give it in portions because they're looking for the development of the character. God was testing them also wanting to develop the character. And so he allowed them hunger and thirst. And then he said this, Man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Elijah had this period of lack, although God was with him. He didn't starve and he didn't go thirsty. But God had designed it that with his own eyes. You know what's happening? Another chance to exercise faith. Every challenge we face, God is just eagerly looking to see whether we're going to step up and say, I will trust God again. And I refuse, even if it's the seventh, eighth time that a challenge has come in my life. Once again, I'm going to do it like I did before. I'm going to say, Father, you know. And Father, I know you. You know the situation. You know me. And Lord, I know you. You will not let me down. Father, so I'm looking to see if God hasn't specifically said, like to the woman and to the prophet, how he's going to do it, all we have to say is, Lord, any way you want it to happen. But I know it's coming through. Amen? The exercise of faith every time is going to give us a cumulative increase in our character. But God will have us stand before kings and queens one day when there's a national crisis to tell them, God spoke to me. And as surely as the Lord lives, this is what's going to happen. Did God say it's only for Elijah? All of these are prototypes. They are examples of who we are to be in Christ Jesus. But you see, I can never hear God clearly if I have a double standard within myself. I pick and choose when I want to obey. And I think I'm fooling God or even the prophets of God. Servants of God. We're going to see, briefly, that this woman knew that God was coming with Elijah. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Zidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. The senses are picking up a crisis. This is really deplorable. This is sad. Is a widow. God already told me she's a widow. And she's picking up sticks. The human heart will feel disturbed. Oh no. She's at the end of a rope. What's she up to? None of that phase Elijah. That's how we have to be. Once God speaks, the sights and sounds and the thoughts have to be a non-issue. We have to say, God said this. This is what's going to happen. This is what he told me to do. I'm following through. I'm on assignment. That's all I know. And the blessing will come. Gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a, a piece of bread too, a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, 
that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. He's been commanded. Isn't that what we just read? I have instructed a widow. Now she's there with her senses. She's a human being in a physical setting dealing with this man who she knows is the man of God. And he's saying something and asking her. You know, when it comes to the details, that's when a lot of times we falter. Sometimes we can see the big picture. And we can feel like, you know what, yes, I heard the message and I can do it, God, I'm for you, let's go. Then when the details come and Satan starts whispering, did you hear what the man said? You know what you have in the house? Really? It's, it's not making sense anymore. You have to stay with what God said. As, as she was going to get it, he said, give me this bread. But she said, I don't have it, I swear by the Lord. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. In the bottom of the jug, just a little bit of cooking oil. Then she says what she was about to do. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. There's a chance for her also. God has spoken, but she's growing you know, it's not just, I came to a standstill, I'm at a dead end, and God's going to help me to make that leap of faith into the blessing. But you know, that period from the dead end to the blessing is an opportunity for us to grow. We cannot miss that. We have to know God is strengthening the muscles of faith. That when it doesn't look like I have anything, it's not just that I want to skip over to the answer. Just give me the answer. A lot of people like that. They forget the process is for a permanent change inside. The blessing, the bread, the water, the material blessings, even the healing, those things will come and go. They will keep coming as God sees fit. But the inside changing of my image inside to the image of Christ, that is what God is after more than anything else. If we can think like God and see from God's perspective, we will know this is an opportunity for me to go right against the situation and still praise God and still expect God to come through. In the process, I know God is making me tougher on the inside against the devil. He said, well, this is what I'm going to do and we're going to die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid Go ahead and do just what you said. But make a little bread for me first. Is that cruel? It's a widow. And it's not a widow who has a little bit coming in every month. This is the last bit of anything that she's ever going to see in the natural. And she has a son. The anguish of a mother. There are people who can go through things and even die. But to see a child suffer. And that too at the end of his rope. And the plan and the, the pressure, can you imagine the pressure? The mom going and doing something, the last meal for me and my son. Horrible anguish. But God has spoken to her. And now the man of God has showed up, has shown up. What's going to happen? Anything different? The devil will come to you with that. 
I don't see any difference. It's like when uh, it was told in the scriptures. I haven't seen anything yet. And Lord, since you spoke to me, I haven't seen anything yet either. It's a charge against God's faithfulness. During this time of anguish, have you ever been at your wit's end? When you are under such pressure, you're scrambling and you're thinking, how am I going to make this work? Especially when it's a matter of life and death. Oh, life and death. And then it involves a person at your heart. This was her son. At this time, the man says, first, make my food. Who are you? That is the turning point for this woman's life and her son. Who are you is, you are a man of God. Yahweh is with you. The creator of the universe, the creator of Israel, he's coming with you. That's who you are. See, that understanding was there. That's the point at which we can fail a lot of times. Is God speaking? Is God giving me counsel? Am I interfering with that counsel? Am I trying to stop the counsel? Am I trying to reroute it? Am I trying to say, I believe you, but I'll do it later? I get it. God is with you. No contest there. I get it. God is speaking through you. But you don't understand. It's not feasible right now. I'll do what you say, but first I've got to live, right? So let me do that first. The story is very small, but the message is very big. It's very, very significant for our lives. It was not a matter of a widow with a supply for another month that she stashed away somewhere. Or having relatives, a large family supplying things, you know. Well, I got next week figured out because my cousin is going to come by. And, and after that, I'm going to have my uncle and my neighbors are so good, they're going to come next month. Everything, you know, we're good for a while. God came to her at the moment of an emergency. That's when he said, are you willing to obey me? And notice at this point, it was not God breaking through the clouds. Why, Elijah's talking, God's confirming it. You know, yes, listen to him, it's me. It was a man's voice. She had the humility, but she had wisdom. God dropped wisdom into her. How do I know that? How do we know when it's not written? And she was a very wise widow. She was the most uh, wise widow in the whole land of Israel. Wisdom is proven. Jesus said, wisdom is justified of all her children. What does that mean? But wisdom is justified of all her children. That means her children will show who wisdom is because they obey. This woman had tremendous wisdom even though she was at the bottom of society. Because when God spoke, she did exactly what he said. And that's what we see here. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Go ahead. You see, I'm not telling you to do this because I expect you to die after that. I'm telling fear to depart. Trust God. Something good is going to come out of this. 
just obey. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said. She was a woman of tremendous, uncommon wisdom. Should not have been the case that it was uncommon. Because God is there. He's giving wisdom continually through the prophet, through the Torah, through the Word. It's available. But as it's written in the book of Proverbs, wisdom cries, hey, listen to me. There's a calamity. You're not prepared. Come to me. I'll get you ready so you can get through it and have an overflow. And she went to the chief concourse. People, listen, stop. You're going the wrong way. You're headed for disaster. But they refused. Who is that woman crying over there? Telling us basically that we're not smart. No, I don't want to listen to that. I'm smart. And what happens? Calamity came and wisdom laughed and said, now when calamity comes, I will laugh also. You're not going to be justified because you didn't listen to me. So that wisdom of God is there. This woman, because the people, the majority rejected it, she had uncommon wisdom. She had uncommon wisdom. The wisdom led to what? Faith and obedience. When God's wisdom comes because we fear Him, you will see it in the life of a person because faith and obedience will follow. And in that mix, inevitably you will find genuine humility. Not a smile, oh man of God, servant of God, prophetess, praise God, hallelujah, ooh, this sounds so terrific, oh, it's going to happen, you think so? Uh, thank you so much. I'm going to follow God, I know it's going to be a great year, but in the details, oh, God sees, He follows you to the closet. God's eyes follows you to your apartment. His eyes follow you to your neighbors and wherever you go, to the marketplace. He'll see whether you actually did what He said. That's the reality. This woman did exactly what God said through the man of God. There is no contest. There's no rambling on inside. Well, I don't know. Watch out for those three words. I don't know. Those are deadly to your faith. Three of the most deadliest words to your faith and your spiritual growth. I don't know. When God speaks. In other words... You know, my situation, it's a little complicated. You don't understand. It'll never work. I can't do it. They won't listen. This won't work out. million different excuses. And what happens? Satan laughs because the steadfastness is gone. That commitment to God is gone. That's where we start going a different way. You know what's going to happen after that? Disaster after disaster will follow. At that time, we can't say, God, it was you that pronounced it by some prophet. No, this was my own doing. We need to clearly identify where I can make changes. And how I hear. Do I hear the right way? Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And in the book of Revelation, what the Spirit says to the churches. So the how I hear is very important. I need to know that God is speaking to me right now from the Word. It's being expounded. 
And the Spirit of God is saying something. I may not have expected it or wanted, but I know I need it. And Lord, how I want to want it, because I know that's the right thing. To check the attitude and check the way I hear, these are the areas in which the total change can happen. Because I can hear all wrong. While I'm hearing God, I can be hearing the devil too. And thinking it's me. What did God say to do for the New Year's promises? What did He ask us to do? What are the conditions? We can review those things. Listen to the messages. If you believe that God is in this house of God, there must be no contest there. If a person has, a, has an idea that God is in other churches too, and it's just a different style, you know, and they have witnessed what God has done here, they're playing with fire. Because that insincerity and pride will open the door to delusion for sure. If you know that God is in the house, then you know that I need to listen because God is speaking. If you know that the servants of God are speaking for God, then I need to do what? Like the woman, have the basic respect, first of all, for God and for the servants of God. That's where a lot of people falter also. Thirdly, if God has spoken and is through the vessel and it's given clear conditions that I value it enough, Am I in awe of it enough to do what's been said? Or do I think, you know what, God spoke over there, but then it was a servant who spoke what he wanted to or she wanted to. And you know, that's practical, but not this. That divided heart, it's another secret to the devil's stronghold in people's lives. So things are out of whack. There's that yo-yo effect in the life, and I can never have that steadfastness. Instability rules my life. We don't want that. Because there will be shame on the heels of that. But if I say, I make up my mind today. There's no contest. God is in this house. And I'm not comparing with any other house anymore. There's no contest. God is speaking through this vessel. I'm not going to think, well, she's dumb or he's dumb. I'm smarter. And I'll flatter. And behind the back I'll say this. No more of that nonsense. God is sending the man. God speaking and commanding. If I refuse what the man of God, woman of God says, if I despise them, what do you think would have happened if the widow despised Elijah? Said, oh, this rugged man, he came out of nowhere and he's telling me things to do. Like I, I know God spoke to me the other day, but this is ridiculous. She feared. She had the due respect for the servant of God because she understood clearly if she despise what the man said and said he's not making sense. She was actually saying to God, oh, God is giving something very concrete and detailed today. How to get over the trouble spots in your life where you're not making headway into God's full blessing because there's that ambivalence there. There's that lack of trust. If you stand in the house of God and you hear somebody who's supposed to be a man of God, woman of God, and what they've said and how they live doesn't tally with the Bible, you have every right and responsibility before God to say, I'm not with that. 
And I'm not afraid to tell that person to the face, you're wrong. But if it is God, the devil's working through you if you refused instruction. Again, let me be very clear. There are people who on their face you'll see when God speaks, I don't like this. The others who on their face, it'll be smile and humility and bowing and all kinds of stuff in the heart, hard as a rock. I'll do what I want to in the end. Not to be dealt with. Because God's heart is grieved when the blessing is not received and trouble comes. The hearts of the servants of God are rightly grieved because we see these are the areas. There's a lack of trust. There's a lack of understanding. The wisdom that the woman had, sometimes we don't have it because we have allowed human thoughts and Satan thoughts, Satan's thoughts to come. Remember last time I said there's no ands, ifs, or buts when it comes to God's promise. So it is with his commands. If the ravens were supposed to come, that's all. God said it. It's going to happen. So there's going to be a marked change in people's lives when they come to that point after God proves it over and over and over again. This is the servant of God. This is God's word. This is not the person manufacturing anything. This is coming from God. God is talking to me. He's touching my life. He's changing me. If I go with that and say, Lord, I'm going to do everything. That's going to cause a divide. In the very house of God, a divide between the goats and the sheep. I didn't make that up. Jesus made that up. From his heart. It's the truth. He spoke it, I should say. The man goes to the woman. She's in a desperate situation. She makes it her business to listen to the God who spoke to her already. And then listen to the servant of God. And she carried out everything that was told. Sometimes we counsel people, don't go there. They've gone there. Gotten hurt. And they come back and say, I don't know what happened. Demons are haunting me. Sometimes they've heard message after message, don't associate with this person. They cross the line. It's not going to bother me. I know what I'm doing. Come back with crisis. Sometimes we tell people from God's Spirit, do not let human sympathy get the better of you when it comes to family who despise God. Over and over and over and over again, I marvel at the patience of God because it's a repeat pattern. They refuse to yield. But you know what? The saddest thing is there will be a sudden tragedy which will come where they won't have chances to do that anymore to God. Suddenly. It happens all the time. Other people were counseled. Make sure you don't let anything crowd out your time with God. Be serious about it because He needs to talk to you. You need to get before Him. One on one. Don't think that in a group setting you can get all that you need from God when you're not serious about having fellowship with Him one on one. But it gets neglected. Oh, how would you feel if you're a teacher in a school 
and you tell the whole class, class, now we're going to put away the math books, as I've done in the classrooms. Now we're going to move to language arts. And one kid decides he wants to stay in the math book. It's not that he has a problem mentally, developmentally, but he has a problem with his will. He wants to defy the teacher. Now what is the teacher to think and what is the teacher to do? Naturally, the teacher sees defiance, a hindrance for the child's progress and for the others. The teacher has to take action. Can we find fault with God for saying that you're not doing what I told you to do, if it's the truth? Can we find fault with God if He says you're flattering me? You're not carrying out what I told you? You think everybody is fooled. I'm not fooled. These are the hard things that I needed to hear in my life. Where I needed to really say, Am I, He said to do it, did I do it? Yes or no? That's all. And he said to do this, that, and the other thing. Did I do this, that, and the other thing, or just this and that, not the other thing? Yes or no? When it simplifies like that, when it's simplified, and I check myself, there's going to be no problem. Miracles will come. The overflow that God has promised will manifest in your life and my life this year. Every promise in the book is mine. It will happen. Very short passages, right? 1 Kings 17 in Luke chapter 4. Very small. In Luke's gospel, just a couple of verses. The meaning is profound. The change in your life, if I can grasp this and say, God, you know, I've heard this message over and over and over again. 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings 17. And then the reference there in the New Testament in, in Luke chapter 4. Uh, is it a different kind of homily, a different kind of sermon? You know, there are some nuggets here I can pick up. No, God is bringing it again because He's seeing that in some of us at least, the sticking point and the prevention of the blessing from really coming and overflowing is that the implicit obedience, unreserved yes to God and following through, is just not there. There's a partial obedience. God is saying, this year, right from the first month, determine, I, and that's you on the eighth day of the first month, a new beginning for me. Lord, a new beginning for me. I don't care if I don't eat. I don't care if nobody's with me. I don't care if I have anything or not. One thing I will do is when I hear the word of God, like right now, in this service, God, you're calling me to account. And I know I know that one day I'm going to stand before you. And it may be sooner than later. I don't want to be ashamed. That should really touch our hearts. And what does that do for us? We go back. And we see, what did God say in the new year? What did He say to do? What are the things He's told me? What are the things I've read? Am I still doing certain sins? Am I hard-hearted? This has got to change right now. Am I still playing games with God? When I need to speak up and I don't speak up, and people are not doing good, I'm not my brother's keeper, my sister's keeper, I wait and I delay, that's a sin. If Samuel the prophet said it's a sin to not pray for the people, how much more when I know things are going wrong in my brother's sister's life and I keep quiet? These are the things that God hates. 
We can't cover it up and say it's a small thing. After all, I'm not a part of it. We become a false witness if we don't bear the true witness. Especially when it pertains to somebody's soul and the life of the church. The things that God wants us to do, if we have ears to hear, you know what? All of these things like bubbles will rise up. We might be stuck in a, in a place such as this, and the things that come up may fill the whole sanctuary because they've been suppressed so long. We were coasting on partial obedience, thinking that, well, I'm better than I used to be. Thank God for that. And I'm better than the next person. And furthermore, my pastor didn't call me out on the carpet and say, you're doing this and that and thing. I guess God doesn't know. He doesn't see. That's what the people said. Can you imagine people in Israel saying that? It's actually in the psalm. God does not see. God does not hear. He's asleep. You know what God said to the prophets? Do you really think the one who planted the eye, formed the eye and planted the ear, can't see himself and hear? God sees everything, but he doesn't always speak immediately. Oh, that's such a crucial lesson that I learned. Such a crucial lesson that I'm fully aware that if, if I don't hear God saying specifically certain things, but my conscience knows it, doesn't mean that I'm off the hook or, you know, it's okay. No, that means that God has already given me a conscience that is disturbed. What does the Bible say in 1 John 5? Beloved, if our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. If our hearts condemn us, He knows all things. That means that when I have a little alarm bell, a little notion that, you know what, I need to be careful with immediately I jump on that and say, I'm going to get it straight. You don't want God to come later and say, you already knew about it. Why didn't you do anything about it? We want everybody to enter in. I do. I want everything God has for me and my family in this church. If you're serious about that, and one thing is, even though we have expectations, and even though we've heard the prophecies, God always exceeds everything we can ask or think. Even when we heard the word, He does it in such a way. And He does it in such an overflow that is way beyond what I can imagine. That's the thrill of it. Are you going to throw away heaven and throw away all that God has in 2023 because of excuses? When God says through the servants of God, be at the meetings. Doesn't God know there will be a challenge? Can we bring that up to Him and say, God, this is why I couldn't be there? Or do we prepare for it like we prepare for work? work for, uh, prepare for school? Prepare our houses when we have people visit? We're up on that. What about preparing my heart to do what the servant of God told me? Again and again and again, it must be emphasized. If the person is not a servant of God, you don't have to listen to them. You have a responsibility before God to point that out to people so they don't get led astray. That's not when you keep quiet. But if it is the voice of God, you need to know this human vessel, there's someone behind that. It's God himself. So I've got to do exactly what it said. So there's a progress. We have seen people who didn't do anything we said. They came from God. And by God's grace, they began to do certain things. And then they stopped. And we saw a whole can of worms opened up. And then they thought, why is God doing this to me? Man of God, woman of God, can you tell me? I don't know. 
because they didn't follow through. They stopped. Others who follow through, but they don't do everything in every area, and their cans open here and there, worms. But there are a group of people, sad to say, it's a minority in this church. It's a minority. God knows who it is, and we know, even though we don't broadcast it. But it's to alert and encourage everyone. Those people, they hear, they come to a point, no contest with God anymore. No contest. I know it's God, and this is a servant of God, and they're speaking, and I have no reason to doubt it because I don't see any track record anywhere of them leading me astray or hurting me in the past. So if this is coming to me now, I may not be able to process it, but there's no contest. I know it's from God. Those people, they've trained themselves for their own good. Listen, to do, to follow through, thoroughly, and all the way through. Listen, to do, to follow through, thoroughly, all the way through. That person is 100% obedient. You know what God will do? God will take that person and eventually make them like the prophet. He that receives the prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. It's a fundamental lesson. The vessel is clay, but the spirit is everlasting. The word comes through the voice of a human being, but the spirit is behind the message. The moment we're able to connect it that way, we will never fail. But if we don't, we will have shame and regret, guaranteed. But we're of the people, as it's written in Hebrews chapter 6, we say, Lord, I want to go forward. I want to obey. I want to do what you said. And Father, I don't want to miss anything you have for me anymore. How many times have you heard it today? The Lord has enabled me to again and again repeat exactly where the failure is for a number of people. And for those who are actually doing everything, checking attitudes, even toward God and the things God is saying. Those who can say, you know what, I'm actually doing everything I'm being told. I'm not distracted. I'm taking exactly the food God gave. I'm using it and I'm growing. And I'm content to be by the brook. When God says be by the brook, go to the widow when I have to go to the widow. There's a deep contentment. It's true. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's the biggest treasure. To be godly, which means to be humble, like the woman, faithful, to follow through and obey, is great gain. Because she was satisfied. God being God, gave a tremendous overflow. What a miracle to see a jar and a jug keep on overflowing, right in front of our eyes. Everybody was taken care of, exactly like God said, right until... The rain came. This is God's promise. Not only will we see the enemy come to a standstill, oh, wouldn't you long for that? What would it be like if everybody in this church, I want you to stand to your feet if you will, please. We're going to close out with a song. Can you imagine a church? People talk about utopia, a Shangri-La. It's an ideal society. 
the futurists, they would write about it. They paint pictures, you know, through words, and people paint about a, a celestial city, an ideal place. You know, if my family could be in the ideal place, if my life could be the perfect life, what would it be like? I want to tell you, God has such a life for you. Not a perfect life with no problems, but a perfect life that won't be touched by the problems, ultimately. Where we will have victory in Jesus' name. That's the kind of life we need. That ideal place is what God is taking us into in 2023. Imagine if everybody in this church, those here and those watching online, those here in the message, everybody that belongs to El Bethel International Ministries Church, everyone would take the Word of God exactly as it's given and say, God, I've learned a lesson today from the widow. A widow that has become famous the wisest, not only widow, but wisest woman and possibly human being, other than Elijah and perhaps Obadiah and a few others, in the whole country. Oh, I learned something from who? A, a, a person on the street who's gathering sticks. What did I learned from her today? She was a real child of God. She knew how to listen to God talking. She knew how to reverence God and respect the man of God. She knew how to correlate that the man's voice has the Spirit of God from above speaking through his vocal cords. There's no contest anymore. Oh, the situation is real. I'm about to do this and die. That was my plan. But the promise is even more real. Hallelujah. The situation, the problem is real, but the promise is even more real. There's an overflow in the midst of when? Not a, a mild crisis, an impending crisis. You know, the stores are going to close down next month. No, it's closed now. There's nothing now. There's a famine now. And this man is saying this. A woman prophesied on New Year's Day, not just any woman, a prophetess of God, God is saying there's going to be an overflow this year. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God said it. I believe it. God has spoken to me. There's a clay vessel, an earthen vessel, but God, Yahweh loves me. He came to me today, and He's spoken this promise to me. I'm taking it. And that same Yahweh has given me exact conditions to fulfill so I can be a recipient of the blessing. You know, I'm, I want everything God has. I'm tired of shortchanging myself in the past with certain things when I've done it. I don't do it anymore. I know when Pastor Kerber speaks, we need to hear the message. So we need to say, Lord, as long as I'm here, no contest. You speak. I know. It's coming through the vessel. It's for my own good. And Lord, you mean to give me an overflow? And Lord, you've outlined exactly what I've done to prevent that in my life. You know, there's a flow, but there's not an overflow. I don't want to shortchange myself. The human personality is very strong at times. The pride can be so thick. And it can be camouflaged so skillfully. You know how it manifests itself? 
disobedience. Plain and simple. Man of God, woman of God says, don't miss this meeting. Do this. Rearrange the schedule. Sorry, pastors, but I couldn't do it. It does nothing to us or to Elijah if the woman would have disobeyed. Elijah would not have died. But the woman would have lost everything. We get wise and we think, God is talking to me because he doesn't want me to miss out. No more compromise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's sing this again. Let's give God worship due to his name. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. God, thank you for the word. I'm beginning to understand. It's a beautiful thing to see, the spiritual development. Point A to B to C to D, all the way to Z, where it becomes completely 100% obedience. Trust God. Trust the servants of God. That's what Joshua said. He literally said, trust God and trust the servants of God. So shall you prosper. You have good success.